you take children to a zoo as an example you take children to a zoo throughout this is this is one example of experiential learning where the child uh, can see the animal in somewhat you know creative surroundings even though it's not the natural surroundings but i have time and again seen the teachers are so intent on explaining the species of the animal what the animal eats when the animal sleeps what what is the scientific name of the animal what are the you know which phylum does it belong to what are the general characteristics of this for example an elephant has a huge trunk there is never this this uh, conversation that observe the lion or observe the elephant what what do you think what does it make you feel what do you think it is feeling at this point in time this aspect of experiential learning is grossly missing at this point in time Welcome to episode 11 of the Learn and Unlearn podcast where I have a conversation with Kavya Patnaik co-founder and co-CEO of Converse a platform that's redefining emotional health through interactive mind experiences join us as we discuss emotional intelligence mental health the human brain and more Welcome Kavya great to have you here Thank you Gautam happy to be here To start with uh, can you please tell us about the vision behind Converse Yeah so uh, before we actually go on to uh, what made me build Converse I think it's important that I cover my journey as to what led me to this point where uh, Converse was built So um I am someone who comes from uh, a community where the of course the mother tongue is not English and uh, even though that is the case uh, Um, someone who's kind of fought through all odds to you know uh, be where i am today so uh, through this journey actually of uh, uh, you know being i was the first uh, uh, female and the youngest female uh, in in most of the situations that i found myself and um continuously i have asked myself what is it that that would help me actually move uh, forward or succeed in in areas that i want to succeed in life and it has come back to me time and again that knowing who i am internally not what not just what my strengths what my capabilities what my skills are but who i am in terms of my emotions where they come from what are my biases and how to question them that has i feel led me to uh, a much uh, better place in life consistently than anything else that i have done so far so as an example i i was the like my first management or my first leadership position i managed a team where it the, the entire team was coming from a completely different culture that was my first leadership position the first time i was responsible for people these people came from a completely different background they were their cultural nuances their biases their language the way they thought was entirely different and um, this was in finland and uh, having led them teams both in india and in finland having lived in multiple countries i studied in the uk and then i worked in uh, with people from multiple backgrounds i realized that being indian there is a strength to the identity that i bring but that identity the strength of that identity doesn't come out doesn't take me forward or i cannot use it if i am not emotionally intelligent if i do not know where my biases what, where they come from and what they mean or where my emotions come from and what they mean so i was able to bring in my identity the uniqueness of who i am and where i come from which i'm sure is true of everyone into my work into my life into the way i interact with people and that was the uh, starting point for me to understand why emotional intelligence is so so important for someone who is wanting to go against the odds and make it big and this is the mission behind converse i want to enable the young aspiring indian to actually become the best version of themselves and this is something that quite a lot of people say as well the being you is your superpower being you authentically you is your superpower and all of us the world has this belief that that is not true we are always aspiring to be someone entirely different but in order to be you you need to know who you are and be being aware of emotions and managing the emotions in a healthy way which is again constituting this emotional intelligence is central 
to realizing your true potential and this is what we are doing at Holmes. Very interesting. Can you please tell us how self talk uh, helps especially talking out loud? Yes, uh so pr- actually it is surprising that uh, uh something as uh, common as self talk self talk is something that each of us experiences. It is it is the dialogue in our head. So it is something that you listen to every day or you are you've been listening to your whole life but you're not aware of. So we believe that uh, verbalization of this helps and how it helps is uh, let's say you are um, uh, you have a set of uh, thoughts in your head you have a set of emotions in your head that are being triggered by those thoughts uh, have you have you heard of this auditory uh, memory loop no so research basically uh, proves that we recruit additional memory when you are trying to talk so uh, i've explained this before as well that um, when we you can hear without understanding but you cannot talk without making sense have you tried it have you tried to talk without making sense not exactly <laughs> yeah so the idea is that when you talk the focus is entirely on what you are talking about and that becomes that actually recruits additional memory to your brain called auditory memory and imagine that you are in a in a cramped space and you have uh, in, like enormous number of people in that in that cramped space trying to tell you multiple things which is let's say your emotions or the thoughts that you're having it always helps to recruit additional memory so when you talk actually you're recruiting an additional amount of uh, space so that you can explore or you can look at all of these much more clearly and research says that we spend almost 8 hours of every waking day kind of having this conversation with ourselves so talking out loud um helps in recruiting this additional memory in order for you to firstly focus on what you're saying so that kind of grounds you kind of brings you into the rational sphere to understand what you are talking about and secondly it recruits this additional memory that i'm talking about and it it can be useful in in multiple areas which are those areas maybe if you can uh, elaborate a bit ah so for example um uh in situations where uh, the the, the uh situations where you would happen to have let's say a uh, uh, an anxious um, you know uh, response to a situation for example you are, you know that uh, there is a um, unexpected situation in your life that is going to you know uh, that has happened or uh, you, usually when you are about to have a panic attack or an, or an, or an anxiety attack there are telltale signs so basically you know that a particular thought process is very confusing for you it is taking you towards a certain uh, you know emotional state where that state would trigger a panic attack so these are the situations where uh, i would actually recall i would recall my uh, focus by talking something out loud so that it grounds me so thereby avoiding the entire situation the entire uh, you know concoction of emotions taking you towards the uh, end of a panic attack or the end of an anxiety attack wonderful so this is like uh, an activity that is done before the flood of emotions kick in yes so what we want to do is actually here prevention and it's not essentially cure so because once an a panic attack or an anxiety attack or or a fear kind of kicks in completely you are not in a fit state cognitively to to uh, do something to you know uh, help yourself most without practice that is so you have to uh, practice quite a lot in order to be able to regulate your your emotions at that point in time so what uh, through convos what we want to do is help you prepare for such situations so you practice talking out loud whatever is bothering you at that point so you you bring your focus to an emotion that is most um visible to you at that point in time and talk about that thereby bringing your focus so when you're talking about it when you're talking about it uh, your entire focus is on the particular topic that you're talking you're trying to make sense so your focus shifts from this state where you don't know what is going through in your head to your language center in your brain to the talking center in your brain which actually reduces so the the panic monster in your head at that point is actually waiting and listening to what you are trying to say thereby kind of ever averting 
the entire sequence of events which can uh, take you to a panic attack. Mm, certain other situations that are actually um, right now we are building in in Converse is let's say high uh, performance situations where um, in a game, for example, for a sports person, let's say you you as a sports person have given a lead to the opposition to the you know the opposite player. Uh, most often there is a self talk in the head, and sports people are very aware of this, which says, oh, you know what, you're such a loser. What you just gave away the lead. You have to be more careful. So imagine if you could practice for the situation in advance in in your in your daily training. What happens then? So through practice, we hope that the the line that comes into your head or what you tell to yourself in that situation is entirely different from what you would normally do. Uh, the same example for let's say preparing for a, a high stress interview, where let's say you are asked a question for which you don't know the answer or you don't know how to answer. So. The entire idea of Converse is to remove that mental barrier you would have at that point in time and help you reframe that, so that it becomes an advantage. Your self-talk becomes an advantage at that situation that you are facing, rather than it pulling you down and saying, "You know what, you, I can't help you," or "This is something that you can't do." So, trying to reduce, trying to reframe that situation and help you practice it is what the Converse is as a space for. Got it. If it is in the mind, it's kind of uh, vague. Uh, there is no form to it, and uh, either writing it or talking it out loud uh, gives it a particular finite form, which we can understand. It's surprising that you say this, uh, because uh, uh, usually the way I, I explain this is: uh, imagine uh, you are trying to generate electricity out of water, hydrogen energy, right? So, um, if you have a turbine that is made of water. would the entire process actually work no why is that both are made of the same material exactly so the whole idea that we can solve for everything in our mind inside our mind is as absurd as this for me what we need is a change in paradigm a change in state in order to be able to tap that energy out of that thought process or out of that emotion so as you said talking about it or writing about it again i will go into um, how writing about it is a little more uh, higher barrier than talking about it either of these activities actually changes the state of that thought recalling your actually focus to that particular thought at that point in time thereby harnessing the energy that that is behind that emotion or is that behind that thought that is the whole idea of of uh, the concept behind converse as such interesting There are cases where you know positive talk uh, doesn't help, especially when there is a flood of emotions or uh, when we have a panic attack. Uh, how do we deal with such situations? I understand that uh, you know what you mentioned is like the self talk is prior to getting uh, getting into the flood of emotions or having a panic attack. Absolutely. But, uh, what do we do in case you know uh, we land up in a situation where we have a panic attack? So uh, once the panic attack happens, um, it is a very, very uh, cognitively uh, very high energy task to be able to bring you yourself back down into a state where a grounding state where you can make sense of things. So this is a situation for which prevention is definitely better than the cure. And what I'm like, what we are offering through Converse is the prevention for this, and not essentially the cure for it. But despite that, it is possible to. Um, go through let's say you what is the best possible thing that you could have when you have a, a panic attack like a friend beside you who can ask you the right set of questions or yes. who helps you calm down yeah so this is what we are doing with converse usually when you have a panic attack um, there is a, a flood of emotions and also there are a lot of physiological um, issues like you can't breathe you can't think you can't see you can't hear properly so all your senses are kind of compromised so in in such a uh, at such a point what happens to you so what helps you ground is the right question so i am not at all talking about positive talk in uh, you know through converse that is not the idea at all the idea of positive talk itself is a little absurd to me because um without going through the underlying um reasons for why a particular thought has occurred to you or why a particular emotion is being you know 
sell, uh, is, is coming to you, um, you cannot tap into the uh, potential that comes out of self-talk. So self-talk is not just positive reaffirmations. It is much, much more beyond that. Because this is, because, uh, you know, reaffirmations are uh, easy for people to uh, understand and also for people to, of course, promote them. The entire concept of self-talk has been limited to this positive reaffirmations. So that is not the idea towards the uh, towards um, uh, converse at all. So uh, again, going back, what I was saying is when you have a panic attack, imagine converse as a friend that can, uh, you know, ask you the right set of questions so that it helps you ground yourself. Even if it, at that point you are not able to answer the questions, it is fine. As long as that question triggers a thought process in your head and recalls your attention to, towards the answer in itself, that grounds you much more than um, you trying to, um, you know, um, solve for everything in your head. The right questions and the right triggers, that is what helps you in that, in that situation, even if you are not able to answer, answer them at that point in time. Got it. Uh, I might not be aware uh, much about the structure of the brain, but uh, uh, from the you know, five-second rule by Mel Robbins, yes, uh, what she mentions is that you know this uh, count, counting down five, four, three, two, one, and then remembering a, an anchor thought. So that brings our attention to a different portion of the brain. Probably is this also uh, doing something similar? Yes, absolutely. So. Um uh, for example, uh, there is quite a lot of uh, fear of uh, a failure that actually leads to quite a bit of uh, panic attacks. And the five-second rule that you're talking about, uh, what exactly is going in your brain in, in those five seconds is the attention is being moved from a chaos or a world of situations or a world of emotions to a place where you know or you can control or you can feel or you touch. This is a basic grounding technique. That's what uh, she talks about as a anchor thought. And what we are trying to do is something very similar, but in a much more uh, organic way. So basically, you go into a, a panic attack and it, and the idea is not that um, it, you kind of come out of the panic attack uh, immediately when you start talking to yourself. That's, that's not the idea at all. We are trying to trigger, we are trying, trying to provide the right set of questions and triggers to the brain at any point in time through your visual, you know, through through, the, through your visual sense, so that the thought that is linked to answering that question is triggered in your head. So basically, recalling attention using triggers. So, for example, the, the, uh, there is quite a lot of fear of being judged, uh, quite a lot of fear of being rejected that triggers these world of emotions that could lead to uh, panic attacks in, in, in any individual. So uh, the reframing technique that we are using here, of course, reframing comes a little later. The a grounding technique that we are using here is one of providing the right questions and the right triggers to the brain at that point in time. So that the thought that you have in answering that question or responding to that trigger grounds you. Got it. So it is basically shifting the focus towards the solution. Yes. Understood. I was uh, watching a video um, that you posted uh, where you have uh, mentioned an interesting analogy. Uh, you have compared the mind to a garden yeah. and uh, the emotions as uh, plants or weeds. Uh, can you please talk um, about it? Sure. <laughs> interesting that you say this. Um, it's, uh, I believe that for a well-organized mind, so um, someone who's aware of what is going on inside them, um, even a forest would look like a well-manicured garden because they know what each plant does, what each plant is associated with, what each organism in that particular forest is, you know, um, is responsible for or is affecting. So the idea of uh, the mind garden is that most of us in this rat race that we are in continuously, we are not aware of what is constituting that garden in your mind. So the amount of thoughts and the amount of emotions we have around various triggers that we receive from the environment, we are not aware at any point in time what are the constituent parts of this mind garden. So what happens when you are unaware or you don't take time to be aware is that each, even a, even an interesting plant or even an interesting thought would start looking like a weed. And these are, for me, uh, the, the mental issues or the um, uh, everything that is termed as a condition. So 
the analogy to uh, the mind being a garden and uh, self talk being a way to actually prune prune the garden that is the concept of the uh, video is that you shift the again you shift the focus from uh, your mind being a chaotic garden to observing those uh, plants or those weeds under a different set of conditions let's say under a microscope that is apart from your brain let's say your voice becomes the microscope at that point in time so that you can assess okay is this something useful to me does this even make sense to me is this even like helping me in any way and you either understand the value of that thought at that point in time and you know um or ignore it because at, when you when you talk about it you have a much more rational outlook towards what you're talking about so you say okay this fear is doesn't make sense to me it's not irrational so it's not rational and that is the first step towards actually overcoming any fear to observe it to actually assess it on a different paradigm on a different you know uh, plane and shifting from the mind to the voice is this paradigm shift that we are talking about in comics it makes observing it makes assessing it makes understanding much more easy so it is looking at things from a different perspective uh it, it, to be very simplistic yes looking at it from a different perspective but uh, as i explained to you the the water turbine um concept so it's it's so simple right so you have a turbine which is also made of water and the the medium that is which is water and also the turbine which is also water are clashing into each other are seeping into each other so that doesn't help you cannot solve for everything in your mind shifting of the paradigm or shifting of the plane from the mind to the voice or from the mind to the paper and pen like journaling has proven quite a bit is very important it's very important to assess very important to understand and rationalize the thought processes that we are having yeah our culture also uh, has a kind of similar analogy where uh, we consider the thoughts uh, in our mind as passing clouds yes there is another analogy where uh, uh, we consider our mind as an ocean yeah. and uh, all the thoughts as waves uh, arising and then merging back into the ocean yes uh, what is your thought about this and how like being a witness helps yeah so this concept basically uh, from the uh, culture that you're talking about um, where you witness you are, you are a witness to your the, the, the thoughts in your mind and Uh, the end goal is that you become a witness so you know uh, what to do with each of these thoughts that are you know coming coming to other the energy that these thoughts are delivering to you so the end goal is to to act it's not that there is no action associated to it you act of course but you act with an intention to respond and not to react that is the end goal right absolutely so uh, <laughs> my problem is that this is the uh, i would say the gold medal of uh, the entire mindfulness or the entire meditative uh, uh, practice so this is the trophy around which the entire concept of uh, meditation and mindfulness today is looked at so what we have done is we have turned something that is designed to give us mental health mental awareness and mental relief into a trophy that we have to chase continuously which again has a feedback loop of giving us mental health issues because we are chasing that trophy exactly uh, i mean i can recollect this like trying to clear out uh, thoughts from our mind even if we observe it's like it's a never ending uh, stream of thoughts absolutely uh, my, uh, the, the, if you if you uh, look at it so uh, observation again um, there are multiple levels of observation so if you look at even mindfulness and meditation there is no one kind of meditation there are like a gazillion kinds of meditation and each is suited to a different set of individuals by actually branding mindfulness as just this as being able to observe your thoughts as passing clouds and going beyond them is like is really is really really absurd to me because there are multiple levels at which you achieve this this is the end goal this is the end goal of the um, the entire meditative or the mindfulness practice and by continuously uh, pitching everyone towards this end goal we are missing all the smallest steps in between so for example um, let's say you the the end goal for everyone is in the business world let's say to be the ceo of a company so continuously 
you, you, because you want to be the CEO and that is the only thing that is visible to you at any point in time, you are failing at being, let's say, a front office assistant. You are failing at being a first level engineer. You are failing at being a first level manager. And throughout the hierarchy, you are failing. And the problem is that every time you fail, your mind is triggering a cycle of guilt that, you know what, you're failing. Why are you wasting your energy? So we are looking at a certain amount of unicorns who have become, let's say, CEOs the moment they started a company and thinking that that is the normal state. What about the rest of 99% of uh, the individuals? What happens to them? So I, I don't have a problem with the overall idea of uh, the mindfulness practice that our culture kind of brings in. I have a problem with the way it is blanketed into one solution and everybody has to race towards it. Everybody has to go towards it because it's exotic. It's become a medal. And if you fail, it is your fault. You are not trying enough. It's not that the system doesn't suit you. Exactly. So it, it kind of becomes a spiritual burden. I would say. And then um, I get angry that I got angry. And I am not supposed to get angry. <laughs> yeah, this this is a, this is really a, a rabbit hole, I would say. You just fall uh, deeper and deeper into it. Um, to be honest, as a tool, uh, I use uh, mindfulness as a tool as well. It helps sometimes. It doesn't help sometimes. And the intelligence or the wisdom isn't knowing in what situations that helps you and in what situations that it's not suited for you and you need to try something else. So this entire industry of mindfulness where we sell mindfulness as the one, you know, skeleton key for everything is uh, is absurd for me. We as individuals, uh, we know that each individual is unique and luckily we have kind of also uh, embraced that, that process. So why are we trying continuously to force, a, you know, a, a square peg into a round hole? Like it, this reminds me of uh, like let's say the education in the 80s and the 90s and some amount of education even even now where uh, we we focus on one dimensional learning the single dimensional learning you go towards IQ you go towards logic you go towards analysis not that it's wrong but what happens to all the other dimensions in which learning needs to happen very true so yes. Uh, our culture tells us this and uh, surprisingly, this is the only topic that we have picked up from our culture and have taken it seriously. There are a lot of other aspects to our culture that uh, that um, point to other directions and which have been conveniently ignored because uh, uh, maybe the, an industry has not yet found the incentive to you know promote those. That is my, my honest opinion. Uh, so can you please name those? Yeah. Yeah, uh, surely. So uh, just as a simple example, so anybody who has grown up in India has has an experience with uh, chanting, uh, let's say the with prayer, no matter what religion you belong to. So throughout the, the prayer, uh, what we are doing is actually, let's say, uh, to, be, to be put at a very ground level is praising God. So praising, praising a, a you know, a, a, a better being, is in the form of words that you use to describe different qualities of that being, whether you take, uh, you know, a prayer in Hinduism, in, in Christianity, in Islam, in, in uh, you know, Zoroastrianism, in any other Buddhism, any other religion, the prayer is in the form of praising a, a supreme being using these adjective words. What are we essentially doing here? So I am very curious about this, that what, what are we doing here? So uh, I, I, I grew up in a majority Hindu household and uh, I, I seen my parents, my grandparents chant these uh, 108 uh, names of each deity, depending on the day of the week. So each of those 108, they're called stotras, I think. And each of these, each of these actually is an adjective to God or a kind of attribute a certain power or a certain capability or a certain skill to that particular deity. And I was always very curious, why, why do we do this? So it, like lately I have realized that what we are in essence doing is keeping God or keeping the, uh, the um, higher power in the place of a super superhero for us whose qualities we all want to invite. Isn't that the end goal? So we, like we want to become more like God or invite more of his or her qualities. So essentially what we are doing is Self-talk here, we are, this talking to God concept of prayer comes from there. 
So we are telling ourselves that there are these qualities inside you and you are calling them out as much as possible so that they can manifest. So self-talk is much more prevalent in the culture, in Indian culture particularly, than any other form of, you know, uh, communion with, with a higher force. And this is not, uh, uh, you know, brought to light in, in, in any industry. And this is one, this is one of the inspirations for us to build Converse the way it has been built. Right. Whatever we focus on grows. So that's the idea of uh, appraising qualities of uh, whichever higher power we are talking about so that we imbibe those qualities. Absolutely. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, why do we chant? I can probably answer that. The structure of the words, especially the letters in Sanskrit, uh, it's such that uh, uttering them makes an impact on the mind and body. And that has been proven. There are frequencies of yes, there are frequencies that impact your your mind absolutely yes yes and it's not surprising then that Sanskrit is the uh, the most suited language for computer programming. Very true. Let's say you rearrange the words of a particular sentence to give the same meaning in Sanskrit. Yes, uh, but it's not the same case in uh, English. Yes, again, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole continuously. To a point where the square peg is doubtful whether it's square or not, because it's not fitting in the in the in the you know in the round hole. So yes, again, we are trying to continuously imbibe solutions that have not been made for us, not been made by us, do not have a cultural link with us, because we we aspire to be an entirely different identity that that we don't we can't connect with ourselves. And this is a big crisis, and this is going to be the. Um, the next big mental health crisis for India, uh, considering the amount of young population, the young working population, I think 2025, we will be the highest working population in the world. This, the next issue, the next biggest pandemic is like, is going to be inside and not outside. Yes, you have actually brought a very valid point. Uh, emotional intelligence is going to be a kind of a, a future skill. It is a, it is an important skill now, but, uh, uh, going forward, let's say five or ten years down the line, as technology begins to take over the execution portion, uh, we as humans need to focus on the softer aspects, and these are uh, like uh, the key skills that will uh, play a role in the next uh, few years. Yeah, uh, actually, it's surprising. Uh, the, the interesting you said that uh, uh, that. I, I've always, my my focus has been on this individual, let's say, imagine a two-tire or a three-tire, uh, you know, uh, woman, just to make it a little more interesting in India, who has the deck stacked against her. The language in which she was educated was, let's say, not her own. She, she is continuously pushed towards uh, embracing a language that is not her own, embracing a thought process that is not her own, but she she is still brought up with the traditional cultural values that that you know um, her family kind of uh, brings into her. But she is expected to grow and succeed in an environment that is completely alien to her. Basically, has the entire deck of social and systemic uh, you know uh, structures stacked against this individual. Mentally, psychologically, you know, even physically. So these are the mental barriers. So for this particular individual, my goal is to help this individual to remove the mental barriers that the person has. And the, the sure shot way of doing this is to equip her with control, not just control, so awareness and, you know, health of her own emotions. So she understands and embraces her identity much more strongly. Because in order to go somewhere, in order to succeed somewhere, you need to know where you are. This is the biggest issue with uh, young people today. It's very difficult. I myself went through that situation and I'm still going through that situation. I don't know where I am. And to be able to continuously understand where I am, to be able to continuously progress, I need to know where I am. And emotional awareness and emotional health is the central part to this. This is the uh, user for Coconverse. Very true. I can't agree more. Exactly. Yeah. This. This. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of triggers a lot of uh, passion talking about talking about exactly. Yeah. Uh, and can we uh, attribute some of these uh, anxieties and fears 
to the biological makeup of the human brain and also the gut you know especially talking about the human brain maybe the amygdala mm-hmm. or uh, the microbiome in the gut because these also as as i uh, have read have a role to play uh, in the emotions uh, that we experience absolutely so uh, uh, there are two dimensions to this and i will i will i will want to cover both the dimensions one dimension is the amygdala as you said and uh, um popular um, the popular uh, uh, name to amygdala is the reptilian brain or the uh, fight or flight center of the brain and this is a very uh, you know simplistic or a very very reduced understanding of the amygdala that let's most of the population has uh, the amygdala in in neuroscience is actually proven to be connected bidirectionally to six or seven other parts of the brain the hippocampus the the you know from prefrontal cortex the spine and uh, you know multiple other uh, parts of the brain which proves proves to us that this this a uh, notion that amygdala is just a you know fight, uh, fight or flight center of the brain is is very very you know simplistic is very very reduced and we do it because it is easier to explain or easier to disseminate this information to the uh, you know population that this is what the the uh, you know uh, amygdala does so apart from this um, amygdala also is proven scientifically proven to associate a particular positive or negative weight to each uh, neural input that you receive so each input that you receive as an information from your senses amygdala based on its previous you know uh, um, conditioning or previous experiences is supposed to associate a positive or a negative weight to each of this which proves actually that amygdala is central to the formation of long term memory so your long term memory is what you use when when you're trying to draw upon your your uh, let's say intuition or your or your gut where does it come come from it comes from your previous experiences it comes from whatever you've been exposed to in life that is where it comes from uh, just to give an example here so let's say a child who is exposed to uh, racism not as a not somebody who's gone through racism but someone who's seen Her, his or her parents or his or her you know um, uh, so the society around him and his friends is on being racist to a particular uh, group of people for this child at an impressionable age what happens is if in the in the absence of some other experience that tells this child that this is something that is wrong the amygdala the way it forms is this is normal let's not go to the other side and say this is positive but what the uh, amygdala you know uh, registers at that point in time is this is normal so imagine why we are having so much difficulty in changing mindsets now because without the experience of that uh, yes we can be empathetic we can un- we can you know um, probably try to understand but we will never truly understand without going through an experiential learning of what it means to have you know uh, 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 racism uh, against you the bias against you so how do we impact the amygdala as young as possible so that children our next generation have experiential experiential you know um, uh, learning towards these kind of biases that we perpetrate in the society and how at a very young age those impressions can actually help us uh nurture a completely different and emotionally aware and emotionally intelligent set of you know uh human beings in the next generation it takes enormous amount of rewiring and reframing and uh, so much cognitive effort to be able to rewire something that you your brain tells you that is normal that you've seen let's say for 20 30 years sometimes even longer for for people it's, it's a sad state but sometimes even longer for people your brain says that it's normal no wonder we are having so many issues in the world exactly i remember uh, something that uh, dr shifali sabari uh, she is an author mm-hmm. and um, parenting uh, expert who has said that you know, we spend most of our lives undoing and unlearning what we learned in the first 7 years yeah which is bang on she's absolutely right right yeah um actually uh, not to digress but i i feel um, these core concepts of, uh, that of of bias for example the caste bias that we have in in the indian community it's still it's still true uh misogyny where does all this come from 
children uh, being exposed to this uh, continuously you know normalize it because that's the, that's the way the brain normalizes things that's the way the brain brain is learning so children imbibe all these behaviors all these behaviors as self talk so later on in life when faced with a situation where somebody is being misogynistic somebody is being racist the self talk is is not is not in a way that questions it but is in a way that you know says okay this is normal so what is the big deal about this so uh, as an example so my my mother she has been a teacher for about like 40 years now and this concept of self talk this is her key focus area she says and she practices it that the self talk that the child has in any situation and she is a primary teacher not a surprise for me that from the ages of let's say 5 to 10 most impressionable age for children and memory formation age and you know experience formation age this is the age in which she focuses interesting talking about children given a choice which topics or life lessons uh, would you include in the curriculum uh, to be honest there is so much uh, that can be done and surprisingly and interestingly is also being done is also being you know talked about in in multiple forums now uh what uh, there is one central uh tenet that i want to talk about here the one central thing that i want to talk about here um experiential learning this is not not something new uh quite a lot of people have spoken about it and uh, quite a lot have imbibed but my problem with the way experiential learning is done today is it is still focusing on iq so you experience something and the way you learn from that experience is also very passive so basically there's no emotional interaction in that experience attached so for example you take children to a zoo as an example you take children to a zoo throughout this is this is one example of experiential learning where the child uh, can see the animal in somewhat you know creative surroundings even though it's not the natural surroundings but i have time and again seen the teachers are so intent on explaining the species of the animal what the animal eats when the animal sleeps what what is the scientific name of the animal what are the you know which phylum does it belong to what are the general characteristics of this for example an elephant has a huge trunk there is never this this uh, conversation that observe the lion or observe the elephant what what do you think what does it make you feel what do you think it is feeling at this point in time this aspect of experiential learning is grossly missing at this point in time why i am saying this is important is um, uh, take any uh, experienced and really really successful artist in the world i am saying artist because unfortunately this has not happened to engineers yet but maybe it has and it has not come out so uh, take a take an artist uh, an artist never talks about this is how i thought through the process of making my music or making my art you would never ask an artist what was like what is the process in which you make your art like what is the logic that you use you always ask an artist what do you feel about this like what made you draw this and we never ask this question to an engineer what made you feel this design is needs to be this way so feeling versus thinking is something that Uh, is a taboo topic in quite a lot of situations in office situations in education and there is no place for feelings and i want to ask why why is there no space for feelings if you observe if you if you observe you know uh, any kind of learning a learning which is one dimensional so basically anything that a machine can do at this point in time process oriented logical analytical that can learn from data you use iq but anything that goes beyond that dimension where there is life involved where where there is art involved where there is a, a different energy involved you need feeling and we we kind of put this entire aspect of learning as simplistically feeling because we don't understand that part exactly it is good that we are opening up about mental health nowadays how do we make it as open as seeking medical help when we get a common cold or flu <laughs> interesting that you asked this question uh, now if you think about it um, 10 years ago 
asking someone uh, what their fitness routine is would have been very absurd unless that person was uh, a bodybuilder or someone you know uh, practicing fitness in a professional position uh, as an athlete or as a sports person it would have been very absurd if you asked someone what their fitness routine is but today we can ask that that's that's a question that you 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 know connect with people with so what is your fitness routine what do you do to keep yourself fit and people see that not as an intrusion of their privacy but as something that the other person wants to learn from them and something that they can be proud of if we can position mental health and emotional health in this aspect something that the person is proud of sharing with others then we have crossed the barrier to people accepting mental health as as important as physical health or even more important so it's very important to notice the distinction that i'm trying to make here positivity is not just no is just not the only goal normalization of mental health and having mental health routines and maintaining your mental health and having uh, you know routines to uh, emulate is something that needs to happen in order for this entire concept of mental health to be looked up to not looked down upon so even today um from the mo- from the most you know affluent and educated societies to the you know uh, someone who has like no idea you kind of you know goes from meal to meal mental health is a big taboo therapy is is a big big taboo and uh, culturally as well we are not accustomed or we are not used to this entire concept of of uh, you know uh, therapy it's a very very uh, western concept for for again i i go back to the analogy where i said you know trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole i think it's time the square peg realizes it's a square peg and builds a square peg for a square hole for itself that is what we are trying to do using converse so mental health is not a one blanket solution is not a you know one line uh, explanation that you can give to uh, anyone it's not about uh, you know relief it's not just about uh, reducing anxiety mental health is a core part of the human being and the day we make you know mental health as easy to talk about as a fitness routine when you can go up walk up to someone and say hey i i like you so what what is your mental health routine what do you do that is the state at which uh, you know we need to we need to make mental health we need to reframe mental health so that people realize that this is a central this is a core skill to their living their existence you cannot solve for you know global pandemics in one way you cannot solve for global pandemics which take different form form in like different communities in different societies in different geographies in in one way it cannot be a blanket solution and without solving for it uh, uniquely for that person for that community you cannot solve global pandemics only by understanding who we are we can actually associate with others we can connect with others because then we know who we are and then we have respect for who the other person is without this it's it's um, it's not possible to solve for uh, any any global issues this is at the center of solving for all the major global issues that we are facing today um i was part of uh, like um, you know a social entrepreneurship program very recently and uh, the un um, uh, representative for uh, uh, health was here actually was was in, involved in that uh, in that program and um, i asked the person like there are a set of goals so there are these uh, i think uh, uh, 13 if i'm not wrong or 17 forget now 17 areas in which there are the sustainable development goals sdg goals that that united nations has agreed to focus on in in like in each of the um, areas there are a number of uh, goals that united nations has called upon the world countries to work towards together to move forward to to progress upon but the uh, the my question to the person was that the, for each culture for each individual person for each small society where in india every uh, you know 20 kilometers the cuisine changes the dialect changes and everything changes how do you apply these at a global level without actually involving the the local uh, 
uh, you know, sentiments without involving the local culture. And this is a major problem. And the answer that this person gave me was very eye-opening. It's like, this is something that even we don't have an answer for. And continuously we are being asked by uh, governments, by local governments, how do we do this? How do we, you know, change this goal that you have into something that can be applicable to this particular community here? And there are no easy answers. Right. There might not be a one-size-fits-all solution. There isn't, is what I'm saying. There isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. It is high time we start making mental health solutions for India that are culturally close, that are lower barrier, and that are for the the, the situation, the socioeconomic situation in which the, the country is at that point in time. And it's high time to do that. Very true. Can you please talk about your um, uh, current offerings and uh, your plans for the future as well? Basically, uh, at this point uh, in Converse, we have uh, Converse spaces. The idea behind Converse spaces is that we provide a safe space for the individual to come and talk about their emotions. And most often what happens is you don't know what you're going through. And this is uh, surprising for a lot of people, but it's very relatable that you don't know what you're going through. So specifically for this, we have a flow called I don't know, where you can associate what you're going through with something that is visual rather than describing it verbally, which again needs a lot of thought process. So this is one uh, feature that we have where you can come in. It's a, There is a safe space provided for you with questions and triggers that can take you through the process of understanding what you're going through at that point in time. And you can decide how you reframe it or how you, uh, you know, use it for, uh, you know, some, to do something better with it, to do something better with that emotion. So how to respond to that emotion, that is what you could learn. This is Converse Spaces. Uh, we have similar spaces for uh, uh, exploring an idea per se, or you want to go uh, and unburden. So you're, you're feeling very heavy and you just want to unburden somewhere. So we have flows uh, that we call Converse spaces that you could use for uh, multiple different situations that you would have in life. Um, the second, what we have is Converse rituals. So rituals, again, <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult word to understand, but um, if you take any high-performing artist or a high-performing athlete, there are certain things that they do during their practice or when they are playing the match or they themselves as individuals. So our idea is br to bring these uh, structures or these processes into uh, a space that somebody else could learn from them. So we curate these rituals for high-performance uh, situations. So for example, you're preparing for a game day or uh, again, you've just given a lead to your, your opponent. So in, this is in terms of sports uh, or you're preparing for an interview, you're preparing for an IAS exam, or even if you're preparing to, you know, propose to someone. These are all life situations that um, most often you go to a friend or you go to somebody else to, you know, give, to get advice. And even though that advice helps a lot, you need to have a practice, a space to practice your emotions in that particular state in order to be able to respond rather than react. So these are curated rituals that we provide in Converse that anyone with any context in life could come in and use in order to be able to handle that particular situation in life better. Now, where we are going uh, towards in the future is... Um, uh, I spoke about this concept of how uh, we look up to superheroes. We look up to God. We look up to a higher entity and try to imbibe those qualities in us. So we are working with a, like a set of influencers and celebrities and trying to bring the mental processes that they have, the rituals that they do, the emotional health routine that they have to be accessible to others that want to emulate those. The beauty of this is that each individual has a different uh, person or a different uh, celebrity or a different influencer or a different achiever that they can relate with. And it's not a one-size-fits-all one solution. So you could, tomorrow on Converse, use the ritual that your favorite you know, uh, influencer or someone whom you look up to and admire uses to uh, you know, maintain their emotional health or 
become emotional intelligence you will, will be able to emulate those rituals you know those practices in your daily life as well that is where we are going towards in the future wonderful looking forward to it absolutely so it makes me curious uh, can you please uh, guide us through one such activity that we can uh, practice while listening to this podcast sure so now let's do a small practice in self talk verbalization so self talk talking out loud uh, where i will help you let's say disconnect from a negative thought you have at this point sure think about a fear based you know talk a fear based line that is most troubling you so something that that you fear and say it out loud for example i will fail no matter how hard i try i am not capable of achieving my goals i am not doing enough uh, what i am trying might not work i'll never find the love of my life uh, i'm not good enough my parents think i am worthless i will never have enough money so anything that comes to your mind just say it out loud now that you've said it out loud change the statement let's say i choose i am not good enough to something that a person would say to you like a third person for example i will be a failure or i am not good enough becomes kavya will be a failure kavya will not be good enough and say it out loud if you've done that then who does the statement sound like so kavya is not good enough or kavya will never succeed in life does it sound like your parents your relatives someone who bullied you in school your ex boyfriend your ex girlfriend a friend a colleague your own inner critic who does the sound like visualize them now let's say your relatives are telling you this you know what kavya will never be a success how would you respond now if someone said this to you just say it out loud respond out loud what would you say to someone who says you would not be successful or whatever the negative thought was in your head how would you respond to them talk it out loud so the last step here is you take the thought whatever the thought is that you've just said out loud uh, for example i will not succeed now replace it with a constructive thought Uh, for me it would be it's not that i will not succeed uh, i just need more practice i just need to practice more to become a better presenter so this thought is not helping me this is a short example of a self talk verbalization exercise that you could use to disconnect from a negative thought that comes into your mind that kind of troubles you So just as a summary take a negative thought in your in your mind and say it out loud for example i will not do well i'm such a loser i will not succeed as a second step say it as as if somebody else is saying it use your name for example kavya will not do well kavya will not succeed as a third step try to look at who you sound like when you when this is being said to you so it could be your parents from where this thought came from 
your relatives, a friend, uh, an ex-boyfriend or a girlfriend, a colleague, a bully, anybody. As a fourth step, imagine that they are saying it to you and answer, reply. What would you respond if someone says you will not succeed, that Kavya will not succeed? Respond to that. And as a final step, replace the statement that you have in your mind with something constructive. What is the one small thing that you could do today to change that? So that's a short exercise in self-talk. Amazing. Thanks a lot, Kavya. Thanks for your time. This has been a very absorbing conversation indeed. Thank you, Gautam. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, having Converse here. Thanks for listening. Please share this episode with others and let me know your thoughts. This is Gautam signing off. Until we meet again.